Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. Welcome to this episode. And we're glad you join us to continue our series on Friendships of the Fathers, like a Kalina book, How the Early Church Evangelized. So good. So I have to say, Megan, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, you know, gleaning these little truths from the fathers about friendship. Um, And again, as everyone knows, we do this podcast because we feel like this is an art of friendship Mm -hmm. that has been lost over time. And we want to try and give that formation and and teaching that uh, is so rich in our Catholic faith to try and ramp up these spiritual friendships. Absolutely. And it was it was actually kind of cool because um, sometimes when we're recording, I, we've mentioned before that we record multiple um, episodes at one time. And sometimes we finish recording before we can go to mass. And sometimes we have to take a little break and we go to mass and then we come back. And this was one of those days where we had to take a little break and went to mass and we come back. And when we were at mass, <laughs> it was awesome because the reading today was um, Paul in Ephesians talking about being in unity and, and helping each other and yes. in, in the the life of a you know the Christian life and it was literally like as the um, priest was giving his homily and speaking on, on this reading and, and on the gospel he he made like four points that we had just made in in the recordings that we had done prior to going to mass mm-hmm. and it just really felt like this confirmation from the lord that these things are important to him and yeah. and he does want these words to be spoken and, and to be heeded and lived and yep. and so i think it was it was encouragement for me well, anyway so, yes yeah. i leaned over and like look it's a hug from god after she's like can you hear him talking I'm like yes yeah, it's I a was hug. like was he listening in <laughs> over there when uh, you know when we were recording a few minutes ago right. so yeah it was one of so those good. things where it's just like you know you just experience as a confirmation from the lord you know affirmation from him yeah sometimes they're everywhere we just have to be paying attention yeah it's true and i mean i don't know about you pam but you know sometimes as it relates to the podcast and i'm like i don't know how many people are listening if there's anybody listening it's not like we have this real close um finger on the numbers of things and and so sometimes the discouragement can come in where you're like you know is this worth the time that you know poor Dennis has to put in to produce it. And, and, you know, I, I don't ever worry about the drive because it's such a delight for me to be here, but you know, you just want it to be time that's bearing fruit, you know, like, you know, our life as Christians is meant to be fruitful. And, and so, you know, it was, I felt it was, you know, a confirmation from the Lord that, uh, you know, we're on the right track as far as, you know, some, some things that he wants to speak to his people. So, Today, we're going to be talking about St. Isidore of Seville Mm. and uh, another saint who I didn't, you know, really know much about, kind of had heard his name in passing a couple times, but didn't really know much about his life. Uh, Apparently. uh, Is this a patron patron saint of farmers? No, no. This is a different different guy. Yeah, that's a different Isidore. Um, This Isidore lived basically right at the end of the sixth century, late 500s. And it was saying um, in the introduction that, uh, oh, I guess he was, yeah, he was born in 560. And the Roman Empire had already collapsed at this point. And it was kind of a dark period Mm. in in Europe. Uh, You know, low literacy rates, lots of poverty, lots of political upheavals. And um, Apparently, he was very influential in 
helping with the conversion of the Visigothic kings of Spain from Arianism to Orthodox Catholic Christianity. So I'm telling you, that Arian heresy, that one hung around for a long time. Well, it's still around, honestly. Uh, it's, most it, of them are in some yeah, way or another. You know, they have their different uh, guises, but they, they all kind of start falling back into the old ways of error. Um, so anyway, uh, he ha- apparently had a really popular book, which a lot of the bits from this chapter are taken from, which it was called Sentiar- uh, wait, Sententiarum Libri. But mostly it's called colloquially the sentences because of mm. the sound of the term Sententiarum. Which, but it's actually that term means more thoughts. So it's kind of his, his thoughts on various things. Um, but he has a few chapters that are specific to friendship. And uh, what he, what was in the chapter for him, did actually kind of dovetail quite nicely with what we discussed previously um, about the idea of false friends and friends who kind of are there, you know, when things are good during prosperity, but then they really only love us for our good fortune or, you know, they're kind of more fair weather friends. So, you know, there was some discussion about that. Um, He also talked about the reality that, which we kind of also spoke before that even if a friendship starts out on a good foot, like sometimes the morals of people when they do find themselves in a place of worldly success can change. And that the associations that they once held dear when they were in a place of strong virtue, uh, they can not only through success and sort of the pride that sometimes can come from success, they can not only not be as interested in those friends, they can actually come to scorn them. Mm. Um, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Back then when I didn't have anything, I worried about that sort of thing. But now that I'm, you know, living it, life on easy street. Mm. I, I could see how that was just a coping mechanism for my misfortune. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know how that famous um, statement that religion is the opium of the masses. Mm. I think that's Marx that said that. Um, this idea that people only rely on religion when they, you know, don't have anything good in their lives. So it's just this sad sort of pitiful way of trying to convince themselves that there's some good outside of this mm. life. And I've always heard it. Religion is a crutch. Yeah. That sort of thing. Same, Same sort thing. of thing. Yeah. And, and which, you know, obviously is such a ugly, terrible lie. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, cer- certainly sometimes people can come over to that way of thinking if they start to have some great worldly success that then they begin to value more than, God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we always want to, um, human beings desire to be in a place of logical consistency in their lives. And so when we find ourselves in places where we have, um, kind of a tension between how we're living and, and what we're believing, our tendency is to try to rationalize the thing that we want to be doing in order to get rid of the dissonance between the two. Right. right. And so if somebody, so yeah, starts get, becoming very of the world, 
like they really and they're enjoying the pleasures of earthly worldly things and they're enjoying the esteem of worldly people who have values that are not of the mind of Christ and they're really wanting that and liking that it's very difficult to stay to continue to experience that and enjoy it and can maintain the beliefs of Christianity, which stand opposed to that. So the, what will can happen in people is that in order to comfortably continue to live in the world, they'll start to despise the beliefs of Christianity and Mm. even denigrate them so that they can feel comfortable they convince themselves that's true. That must not be true because if that's true, then I can't live like this and I want to live like this. So instead of not living like this, I'm going to just deny the truth of that. Hmm. You know, what I've kind of observed is um, people that are kind of like, well, they can really coexist like religion and being of the world can coexist. Look at us. We're regular participants at mass and Mm -hmm. you're doing the things right. Right. But then there's still that really overpowering draw of wealth and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. And you know, obviously that's, it's just one of these things that's so clear in scripture, you know, when Christ says you cannot serve both God and mammon. And then you've got the young man who's wealthy and comes to him and says, you know, what do I need to do in order to be saved? And the Lord's like, well, are you keeping all commandments? He's like, yeah, I'm keeping all the commandments. And he's Mm. like, great. All right. Give up all you have and follow me. And he's like, the young man, not that. Yeah, that's such a great story for anyone that struggles with um, kind of a sensuality of the world or greed or that kind of thing. Yeah. And it might not even be material things. Sometimes... It's relationships Mm. or, you know, a lot of times it's relationships, to be Mm. honest. You know, we talk so much about the beauty and goodness that relationships can be, but they can also be idols. That's true. They can be things that we put before the Lord. And, And I have to admit, there are times, especially when I haven't been well rooted in my prayer life, Mm -hmm. like I've gotten lazy in prayer and I haven't really been seeking the Lord as much in the sacraments, like, and I haven't been in scripture as much when I'm start to get in that place of laziness towards my relationship with the Lord, when I'm not prioritizing that, I often find that I will run into places in human relationships where I start to feel very needy, like, oh, you know, in this relationship, I'm being hurt or I'm being let down or it's not what I want it to be. And it can hurt and be like, if you can start feeling alone and feeling, mm. you know, like all is not right with the world. And, and you, so what's happening there is because I'm in a place where I'm not being poured into in my relationship with the Lord, because not because he's not willing to pour, but because mm-hmm. I'm not opening myself to be poured into I'm feeling my emptiness and I will then seek to try to find fulfillment in places other than God. If I'm not, if he's not on my mind. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it just speaks to the danger of being lazy about our prayer life and lazy about making the building of our relationship with the Lord, the primary relationship building that we work on every other relationship. As important as they might be, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your children, maybe whatever, your your best friends, 
all those relationships will only be healthy if you're making the relationship with the Lord primary and receiving all the grace that yes. he wants to pour into you yes. for you to live in those relationships yeah. in a healthy way and not in a yucky, needy way. Right. Megan, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I think one of the ways to really examine that in our lives is looking at where you spend your time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, for me, I was really convicted several years ago to try and flip that switch to spend more time, not only in prayer, but at mass, you know, in the sacraments themselves, in Bible study, formation, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So um, it's always really good, my brothers and sisters, to listen and look at where do I spend most of my time and how does God fit into that time? Yeah. And it's, I think you can say time as far as things you're doing, but I also think it's really important to where do I spend most of the time in my thoughts? Mm -hmm. Like do, am I always thinking about things of the world and temporal cares and, right. and worries about family and money and the, even the, grander big skill things am i always worried about what's going on in politics or the church or you know all yes, these sort of things like so true. is that where my mind spends most of its time in the in the world or do i turn my mind off into thoughts of the lord and in the things of the lord and try to ponder those things right which is definitely a form of praying without ceasing Absolutely. that i think we're all kind of striving for right. it's like how close is my next thought to the Lord? Mm -hmm. You know, like when I'm at work and I'm working, like how integrated is loving him and letting him love me into my daily work activities, my home activities? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, here's my next thought. Okay. It's about the book. There was something in this chapter that I found extremely compelling uh, as an idea that something I'd never thought about before. And on its face sounds a little not quite right. Okay. But, but so I wanted to talk about it because it's in the um, subsection of the chapter where he said on the companionship of the wicked. So oh, he's basically yeah. talking about how um, we should only be involved in friendships where we're desiring the good for each other and that we should never enter into friendships where there's a wicked purpose in mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, you know how that sometimes they talk about sinful, you know, wicked, being thick as thieves. Yep. You yep. know, this kind of like coming together in order mm -hmm. to do bad things. Like if you have nothing good to say, come sit by me. <laughs> right, 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 right. What great line, but still not a good sentiment. Right. But then in that chapter, he goes on to say, uh, and here's a quote from it. The companionship of the wicked is opposed to that of the good. And just as we should wish for the good to have peace with each other, so we should wish for the wicked to have discord. Discord. That is such a great, like, we were talking about this just off the air because I had to, like, really chew on this for a while. So basically, think of it as, um, uh, well, we could use the anti-life movement, the, really the pro-aborts how they've been very unified over accomplishing what they want to accomplish mm -hmm. for many, many years. And finally we have broken in and started to undo that. So praying for that kind of disunity among a maleficent intention right, you know, that goes right. contrary to God's law is indeed a good and holy thing to pray for. Right. And I think the example that really came to mind as, as I was reading it, that is so blatantly an example of it 
is the Tower of Babel. Mm. So think about that. What was happening in that setting? Human beings were building this tower because they thought, we'll build this tower so high that it can get up to the heavens and we'll be like gods. And the humans were united in this purpose to build this temple. And the Lord saw their purpose and saw its evil um, intention. And so he destroyed the Tower of Babel. And what did he do? He scattered human beings and, and that's where they say, well, the di- so they were scattered and then they had different languages. So they couldn't even communicate with each mm-hmm. other anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the Lord is seeing, he's seeing that the unified purposes of the wicked was going to bring great evil to the world. So better that they be separated and scattered and not be able to be united in their True. evil intent mm-hmm. than unity. So, you know, we're always talking about unity is awesome. We should all strive for unity and we, you know, unity is the highest thing, but not when it's unity of the wicked. Right. We should right. not desire that. We should desire them to be isolated and separated from each other. Not divide only divide and conquer. Right. Divide and conquer. But in the sense of conquer, what we mean is as Christians is if they're unified in their obstinacy against the teachings of the Lord, we're not going to have the opportunity to maybe help convert hearts. They're going to be this like force against, Mm. you know, and they're going to, you know, oppose that. But if you can, if they get scattered, then maybe when they're not all together and supporting each other and their own thoughts and, you know, whatever, then they can maybe be open to hearing reason and then open to hearing the good news. Mm -hmm. That is the Mm -hmm. gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, that's something that was like a kind of a new perspective about things to pray for. Like, how can we pray for disunity among the wicked? And one of the things that really just jumped out in my mind regarding that was how sadly unified the media seems to be in supporting things that are harmful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That are evil, harmful. And we, if we just sit back and, you know, continue to support those media outlets by watching them and listening to them and, and everything that helps them to continue on in the unified message. So to, we should in any way like oppose that, that we can speak truth whenever we have the opportunity to not support like companies that try to continue to, promote these terrible, awful things. Right. Right. Um, so that they can maybe fall like that. Com- those companies might go out of business and those, you know, media outlets might be forced to not be so, you know, united in their coverage. That's from a particular right. mindset because they're going to go out of business because nobody's watching them. Right. Right. Um, and pray so, for that division. Yeah. Um, Amongst them as well, because they seem to have all the same kind of talking points and parody one another. Like, hmm, interesting. It's crazy how that happens. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the the example from scripture that's used uh, in here is he talks about the Red Sea and how the Red Sea was parted. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, he used the Red Sea as a, as a sort of metaphor for uh, the wicked. And he's, the quote is, the way of the good is blocked if the sea, that is the unity of the wicked, is not divided. 
So it, this this visual, I kind of like the yeah. visual yeah. of, you know, when the wicked get split, when they're not unified in their purposes, then the the good can move walk forward. Through. That's right. Move, move forward. forward. Yeah. Right. right. What a great imagery. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that relates particularly to friendship. It was really, you know, pointing out more that we need to be very careful about the friendships that we enter into and make sure that we're only ever entering into friendships that are ordered towards good purposes and not wicked purposes. Exactly. Yeah. So true. I mean, you know, we often talk about red flags. Just be aware. You know, what are some red flags for you in a person's life? You know, for me, I can I can say I red flags for me is when someone speaks very negatively or ugly about a another person in front of me that's like whoa you know i'm kind of taken aback like wow you know yeah i think that's a good actually there's point. that's I think one some people um, and this may be i think is definitely more towards female relationships but you know sometimes you know that there's this group sometimes this group of friends will kind of coalesce where they just kind of like sit and gossip about other people that's yucky. That's icky. That's that's not sure. to be part of, you know. And um, if you can, if, if you want to try to stay in that friend group, you either need to speak into it and try to break that apart, you know, break that that hold of that spirit. Mm-hmm. That really a spirit. It is a evil spirit. Is, I think of is. gossip. Either try to break the spirits hold that evil spirits hold on the group or if you if that doesn't seem to be right. happening then you need to get out you know uh, this actually came up in conversation with one of my with my 20 year old she's like some college or high school friends or whatever or just having a series of a lot of gossiping or whatever and i was like well change the subject just start talking about something more positive and again um, she's the, the hairdresser. And so she's sitting in the chair and she's like, gosh, and it, it started to get so negative and I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, just start asking different questions to change the topic, mm-hmm. which I remember when I learned that tactic years ago, it not only switched it, but it also gave a really strong signal to the person that was speaking that way. It's like, oh, she doesn't really appreciate me speaking like right. this. He doesn't. Yeah. And so now like in my office setting, that's another place where I learned, <laughs> I honed this little skill. Mm-hmm. Um, no one talks bad about other people to me ever mm-hmm. because they know that I've, I consistently would shut that down and right. be very yeah. uncomfortable with it. That's good. Very good. And I think it's important to remember that while we may not always be able to break up the devices of the wicked, we can certainly at least not participate exactly. in them. And, and so when we're asked to try to to speak things that we know aren't true, like to give our assent to ideas, you know, in the culture that are wrong and we know they're wrong. If we, if we say, yeah, sure, you know, you know, people should be able to love who they want to love and marry who they want to marry or, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, people should have to do this, that or the other that you know is not right. If you, you may not be able to, you know, bring light to everybody so that the, the wicked no longer are united in those, you know, beliefs, but you can at least very not lend your voice to it yeah. and refuse to consent to those. And even if that means that you now become isolated against this wall of people against you, 
better to be alone in truth than united in lies. Yeah, oh, so true. What a great, what a great phrase. So, it's so true. That's really the main thing I want to touch on in this chapter. It wasn't too long. Anything no. else you wanted to no, grab? I'm out just of it? still gonna really think about that new um, point that you made. It was in the book about dividing the wicked and how to pray for that division of anything that's super harmful in our country. I mean, we can think about um, the child mutilation stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. We can pray for that to um, that God's truth and love will be spoken into the middle of it and have it divide and fall away. So I've got some new stuff to pray for. So I'm excited. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you to St. Isadora Seville for giving us a a new way to think about things. And uh, we thank you all for listening and for participating in this book study. Uh, We've only got a couple more chapters to go, but uh, we are enjoying the path. And if this episode has blessed you, we just ask that you do a share, you know, whether it's just through a text message or Facebook, uh, we'd really appreciate that. Just trying to get... uh, more listeners, just not for our own sake, but for the good of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. We will be praying for you, and let's stay united in prayer until next time. God bless. God bless. God bless.